Hi, this is Jeff Davis. I spent many years just down the road playing rock and roll along the lakefront in Chicago at WLS Music Radio. This year's a banner year for Radio Centennials. That's why I'm happy to wish my brothers and sisters in radio a heartfelt 100th anniversary at 1440 WROK in Rockford, Illinois. Sometimes people just need a really good reason to get back together and enjoy each other. This is one of those occasions. Getting behind the microphone again and sharing those seldom told tales is a special feeling these folks didn't want to pass up. The studio is filled with decades of photos, bumper stickers, buttons, albums, t-shirts, jackets, original signs, and well-deserved industry awards. Here's to WROK's 100 years of broadcasting in Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. And now, more radio stories between old friends on another episode of the Storyteller Studio. Good morning, everyone. We're back at the Storyteller Studio in Rockford, Illinois. And this morning, uh, boy, we have had a very, very long week of radio visits. Monday was Johnny Marks. Tuesday was Kelly Ryan. Uh, Wednesday was the Noel family, Gary, Steve, and Carol. Uh, Chris Tumalovitz. Well, going, you are a name dropper. I know, <laughs> I know. Chris Tumalovitz is coming in because we want sort of that advertiser's angle. Dr. T. Yes. And this morning, uh, Doug McDuff came back in to talk with his old buddy, Phil Davidson. Good morning, Phil. Good morning. Yeah. So wherever we go topic-wise <laughs> and whatever we stir up and whatever rabbit hole Doug takes you in, so be it. Yeah, he's pretty good at that. He yeah, is. well, you know, Phil, <laughs> Phil, we go back a long time. And I, when I was preparing to, and I don't do a whole lot of preparation, as you can tell by my radio shows. Over <laughs> you the never years. have, right. no. I used to show up at one minute to five to go on the air at five. Exactly. If I was no, on, it was usually was, one minute after. Well, that was sometimes Fred had to call me to get me up. But this is not about me. This is about <laughs> Phil Davidson. It, oh, no, it's not about you, Doug. <laughs> Phil, I, I, I do remember, and this came to me last night as, a, as kind of a bad dream. I saw this. Oh my gosh. Reinhardt Metzger. Oh. That's how I met You had you. to start with well, that. He offered me a job, but my point is not that part of it. I just want to say you started with him, I think, when I first yeah, I did on unfortunately. RWC in Rockton at that time, yes. which is now something else. I don't know what it is. B one oh three. Okay. Yes. But that was that your first radio job? No. Don't what? ask an open ended question. Okay, exactly right. So what was your first radio job? Well, I worked part-time uh, during high school at a station in Ducoin, Illinois, which is about 20 miles north of Carbondale. I used to go there for races. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the station was 250 watts of radiated power. And I would, uh, I would start, let's see, what did I do? Oh, it was Sunday morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. I got to turn the thing on. We've all done that. Yeah, yeah. If, if, when you have to sign a station on a station. And here's a funny story. You got me started, sunset. and I'm going to keep, keep yeah. going now. Uh, part of that show on Sunday morning was a guy came in to do a gospel show. This was a dry cleaner in DuCoin. He knew gospel music. The problem is I could never. You remember the days when you had to cue the record? Exactly. <laughs> Well, he did it on the air. Oh, no. <laughs> and I told him, oh, I don't know, 85 times, you turn the switch to the left, yeah. then you do it, and then you turn it back so it's ready to start. Yeah. 
plop, that's all he did, all the time. The and art of the slip cue is yeah. something we all had to learn in those days. Oh, Do you yeah. know what that is? Oh, yeah. And now it's all carts and whatever. Now, carts? Sorry, I'm sorry, I lost my head. Carts? Carts is, well, Vern Nolte Carts is what you use yeah. on a golf course. Exactly. <laughs> so your background is, is mostly in radio, but you must have done something before you got that first radio gig. Well, now that first one was when I was in high school. And then uh, in college, I was the assistant news director at WSIU at Southern Illinois University the while party I was school. a student. Yeah. Yeah. Party school, yeah, right. <laughs> Every school is a party school. Um, the first real radio job was WRWC, really. Okay. So when did you first meet, and where did you first meet Shirley? I met her in DuCoin in high school. We were high school sweethearts. You see, you learn something new wow. every day. How long have you been married? You had to ask me that. Well, make it up, because we don't know the difference. Uh, let's see. You got a minute for some math? Uh, I think we're approaching... Um, well, just what year were you... We'll do the math. What year were you married? 50-some years. Oh, that, yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. She's put up with me that long. I don't know how... To, well... I thought I'd say it for you, too. You know, Bob, yeah. Bob Pressman said the same thing about Mary Ann. He says, I've got the better part of this deal. She's oh, boy, putting up with me. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm a, and, and, and in your case and in mine, my dear departed Mary died a couple of years ago, but we were married 56 years. And in the radio business, guys like you and I, we're few and far between right. guys that have stayed married that, oh, that yeah. long. Yeah. That so, is so true. It is true. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry to say it's true, but, it, but it's true with a lot of occupations. Well, because... The in, moving... In, well, in, yeah, in radio, you're bouncing jobs. around. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't get to make a lot of good friends in any market. You move on to the next market. So I chose to be a relatively big fish in a small pond years ago. Mm-hmm. That's why I stayed in Rockford. I had offers to go other well, places. Well, you were a big fish. There's no question <laughs> about that. No doubt about it. <laughs> so that was the smell. A fishy yeah, thing. Oh, yeah. 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 I will never forget. This is... Doug, when when I was at NIU and I first started doing part time, and you were doing afternoons on WROK. Yeah. So every so often, I would pop in for a promotion or something like that of some sort. Johnny Marks and I would take the van and go do something. And I remember going into the afternoon uh, studio, and I don't know what made you say it, but you were talking about some kind of a topic, and you turned the mic off and you looked over to me and you go, you know. For being so big and fat, that guy really doesn't smell that bad. <laughs> I don't remember who, all my old jokes. I don't know what yeah. you were talking about. And I'm surprised about. I was off the air with that oh, one. Oh, God. I was dying. Me too. <laughs> uh, well, let's get back. This is about Phil, though. I know. As it much is. as I'd love to make it about me, <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about Phil. You're, you, you started at WRK what year? 1976. Okay. And, and you started in sales strictly, right? That's correct. Now... What makes a good radio salesman? In those days, not today when it's more digital. Relationships. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I would have said the same thing. Over the years, and, I, and you know, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but I, I was in radio sales 39, 40 years. And over those years, those people that I worked with in the businesses, they weren't clients. They were friends, almost every one of them. One of my dearest friends, unfortunately, passed away from COVID, and that was Darwin Guler. Over the years, you know, he was no longer the guy I called on. He was a friend. Mm -hmm. And that was that way with everybody. Now, I don't know how it is now, but I suspect 
relationships are still important, but probably in a different way. Yes. All the salesmen that I talk to in Chicago or in Rockford tell me they spend most of their time from home, not in the building. Mm-hmm. COVID was part of that. Also, they're selling more digital than actual radio because radio is so fragmented now. Mm-hmm. Those golden numbers we had at WROK in those mm-hmm. golden days are gone. The 40 share is we all are. Uh, Number one little... from birth to death. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly right. And, uh, and, and we'll, we'll get back into the, the history of the company. But I, was, I, I want to get the sales thing out of the way because I think you and I agree on a lot of this. I believed in the relationship thing, like, for instance, in my case, most of my accounts became good friends. I mean, good friends, right. socially friends, and most of them are deceased now. You know, I think of John Carlson. Right. I think of uh, Russ Verona. I think of Hank Paris. I think of uh, oh, many others. Many. Mm-hmm. There's a long right. list of people, and I think you and I also agree with this. And other salesmen might be listening. It's good to have a lot of small to medium-sized accounts than some big ones that you rely on. Because you lose a big one, you lose a big chunk of exactly. income. Exactly. Over the years, I was probably the champion of that. Uh, Most of my accounts were medium to small. I did have some large ones, too, but, but, and it depends on how you define medium and small, too, but um, they were more important to me than anything. That's the point. To me, small in those days was $500 a month or less. Right. Medium was $500 to $1,000, and then anything over $1,000 a month was big to me. Right, right. Now... Do you remember the days when we were paid, at least when I worked at another station as a sales manager, we paid the people on billing for a few years. People loved that, but then they turned in phony accounts to get, and then know they'd be charged back the next month, but they didn't care. Right. But did you ever work that way on on paying on billing? Uh, That's the way it was, I believe, at WRWC. And I'm thinking it was that way when I first started at ROK, but I'm not sure. It, I can't remember. I don't think anybody does that anymore. It's usually on, <clears throat> you get a salary for sales, but you don't ever rely on that. And you get commission. At the, and I think the commission structure has varied over the years. 15% was the norm, but I don't know what it is today. Yeah, they go up a little bit or yeah. down a little bit, depending, depending on the situation. Let, let's jump ahead to something that I've wanted to talk to you about and everybody I talk on these shows people you've worked with over the years any stand out as as personalities as characters as people that you you can still think about and laugh or get angry because <laughs> there's both yeah Doug well, well that's that that would be me Barney uh, <laughs> he started it yeah. no okay uh, rug <laughs> see oh. that goes back to uh, a time when we all had nicknames around there Apparently. Unfortunately, I didn't know what Rug meant. I still don't. But I know with <laughs> with Phil, it was Barney Fife, and sometimes we'd give him little bullets to carry in his because he has a diminutive okay, size. Okay, okay. And Get he, back on track. Will you, I Doug? think no. I think it's good that people know that we had character names throughout the building. And one of the guys that did that was Chuck Diamond. No, he labeled people. Oh, everybody man. got a label. That's right. Megaphone mouth. I referred to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had names for everybody. And I talked to him not too long ago, and he's not in radio anymore. Now, I, I, I've got to think about this. Well, obviously, Fred Spear. I yeah. mean, my gosh. He is the crown jewel. Fred Spear, <laughs> double all kind news. Yeah. But he, he was the best. And then, of course, Dan. I always loved Dan because you yeah. get him all hyper. And he, I just loved every minute of it. 
And then, of course, there there was this one that maybe some people don't remember, Lee Carrick. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. My. Lee Carrick was uh, yeah. he he. Huh? He, huh? Yeah. What do you think? Huh? <laughs> Give me a call. What do you think? He is. I remember Lee. Um, yeah. He was extremely controversial. He was on in the evenings. His life was threatened several times. Yep. Mm-hmm. Our sales manager at the time, Ron Galena, who was a very gentle, quiet <laughs> Excuse man, <me. laughs> um, got him all upset one time because Lee came in and he had kind of this yellow cast. And so uh, Ron looked at him and said, I think you have jaundice. And Lee was the type of person who was very nervous. And so now, I think I got jaundice. I think I got jaundice. <laughs> but no, Lee, I remember him. And then there was... And he was uh, a short-termer, too. He wasn't well, there he very wasn't there long. He wasn't there very long. Well, and, and, the, and was something wrong with him? Was it, I don't think so. Just think, mental. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And I then, mean, Lee's the kind of guy that would stir the pot when oh, yeah. nobody needed to touch the pot. But he couldn't get a job in today's radio. But... Maybe none of us could now. Who knows? Yeah, I think he went over the edge of the cliff way, oh, yeah. way, There's way too There's a few like often. that over the years. Yeah, he'd poke, he'd poke the tiger. Well, there was one later history that you may not remember. I don't know if you do. Raleigh James? Oh, but I was just going to bring her up. Were you? Well, go ahead. Yeah, Raleigh was also very controversial, and she was not there real long. And she went on to have her own uh, national talk show, and I think she still does. She does. She's 70 years old. It, it <laughs> she played, contacted me. She was on WGN one night, it, and it, I called yes. in there, and they, I gave my number, and she called. And we talked, and she said, yeah, I'm, I, as usual, Doug, I'm bouncing around. At that time, she was living in Philadelphia, and everything was done. Do you remember uh, who her boyfriend was? He ran for president. He was the libertarian candidate for president yeah. of the United States. What was his name? I, I don't remember. Oh, you, I thought you had the what? name. No. Yeah, he ran for president of the United States. And he actually got party. about 3% of the vote. So, right. I mean, it was right. pretty considerable. And she did something you couldn't get by with today. She got on the air and was promoting him on her show. Oh, and we didn't. Nobody hit us for equal time provisions and all that. But oh, God, uh, that's yeah. a double dip, right well, there. Well, going on with people, um, <laughs> I saw a picture of Don Geronimo out there. Sure. Well, there was this time he was reading a live commercial for Fran Crawl Lincoln Mercury, and he was going on about a description of this brand new model, the Mercury Brogum. <laughs> <laughs> this was a live commercial, and needless to say, uh, we heard from Fran Kroll. Yeah, of course. Let's see, who else? Well, first of all, did you know that Don Geronimo, Mike Source, and Johnny Marks went to high school together in Hananiga? Did you know that? No, I did not. No, I yes. did not know that. And also, did you know, later on, I don't know exactly the years, but I know this because I keep in contact with Mike Lamb, who is Shotgun Mark Rivers, the oh Don George, yeah, the Don Geronimo was in an automobile accident, maybe in the eighties, broke both his arms and both his legs. Can you imagine that oh, guy dear. in a body cast? Because he's wound up like an eight-day clock. Yeah, and so those are the tidbits that come to mind with Don Geronimo. Don Geronimo and Shotgun Mark Rivers DJ'd our prom. That gives you something from wow. Auburn, from Auburn High School. Wow. Yeah, that's something. Well, speaking of <laughs> shotgun Mark Rivers, that makes me remember something. We used to have a softball team, WROK Superstars. Don't know whether you remember that or not. Most of us were on the team. Uh, I wasn't particularly good, but I was on the team. But then there was, uh, for some reason, I guess I dropped out of the team and I just, I just was an observer at the games. 
And Shotgun had on dark glasses and was rather thin. I had dark glasses and I was rather thin. So I'm sitting there with my wife, I think just sitting on the grass. And these kids come up and said, are you Shotgun Mark Rivers? And I said, yes. (laughs) And I proceed to go through some kind of routine or something. And of course, obviously at the end, I said, I'm sorry, I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he said, "I said he's right out there." And though, so they got their autographs. And oh, everything. nice! But that's uh, hilarious. So you were shotgun Mark Rivers double. Yeah, for about <laughs> two seconds. <laughs> what about the side of your business? You, you've been a radio announcer at times with commercials, primarily. Oh yeah. And I think one of the secrets of you and myself, when I was in sales, also, is doing the commercials for the client that personal touch and they felt that they were getting more for their money that way because you really knew them and blah, blah, blah. Now, I remember when you mentioned Guler, the reason I ever went to Guler was because of your commercials. You you were very good at bringing people into those stores, and I think the clients appreciated that. The ones that I was probably on the most for the longest period of time was Al Zulo and Rockford Business College. That's I forgot that, yes. Which Those is now something else, right? Rockford Career College now. Yeah. Al Zulo's, I mean, that, you talk about friendship. I was very close to Al, and then, of course, I was very close to Marianne, and we all know the story that happened there, and became very close with the Swanks at Rockford Business College. And it wasn't that I decided that I could do a better job than anybody else, on those commercials. It was just the personal touch and the relationship. That's why. Well, and it gave us more variety of the voices that were on the air, too. Another one, uh, which actually became later, were the funny commercials that, I'm not saying this to brag, I just illustration, that I wrote and, and partially voiced for Randy Krupp, Krupp Electric. Oh, yeah, those were great. I love those. Uh, I can't remember some of them, but it was those were a blast. And so those you, are examples. You mentioned Al Zulu. When I was at another station at another time on Sandy Hollow Road, where you ended up your career, actually, yes. Yes. Uh, I was doing a show with Marianne Clibbery and George Hansen in the studio mm-hmm. about a week before the terrible end to the Al Zulu story. Uh, and... I'll never forget that. Sitting there talking to these two, they were equal partners in the business. And how it ends, we're not going to go into details here, but I'm just saying I'll never forget. That was one thing I'll never forget as long as I live, that that feeling afterwards. I was just with those two. Mm. All I can say is a good thing Al wasn't still alive. Oh, yeah. Because he just gave them that business. Literally. He, did you know that, that the Al said, all I ask is you keep the name Al Zulu remodeling, and it's yours 50-50. Marianne, you stay oh. in the office and handle the business, the accounts, the, the business end of it. And George, you're the hustler. Get out and sell the stuff and whatever. That's their partnership. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Just that simple. Just that simple. Wow. And in one instant, in a fit of rage, I guess, it was over. It all fell apart. And the name, as, as Phil was pointing out, the name Al Zulu is now gone. Yeah. The business is gone. He, he wanted that to be a legacy. Wow. As you know. Wow. Well, and there's an example of consistent advertising on, a, on particularly one medium 
that his name was a household name. And, and the jingle. And, and it's still a household yeah. name in a yeah, lot of instances. Sure. Did you yeah. sell that jingle to him? No. I don't know where that Because I know from. we all, at one that, time that, or another, sold jingles. If we, jingle. Fiddler on the Roof was what it was based on. Yeah, right. Yeah. A very, well, never mind. Well, when you guys sold jingles, did, did TM Productions in Dallas do them? Or were there other companies that I you guys had? I tell you the truth, had... I don't remember. I only sold two in my entire career. But could you choose the company that did no, it? No, no. Okay. The, the, the companies made a pitch to the station, and then you'd, well, go ahead, Phil. Okay, I got a funny story. <laughs> Going back to... Ron Galena, who was the sales manager, again, very laid back, yeah. <laughs> quiet man. Hardly yeah. direct at all. He just never spoke his mind. He, he, was, <laughs> he was a super professional. He really knew the business, and he took care of clients extremely well. But this one time in one of our sales meetings, we had this guy come in who was selling jingles. And uh, it began by, he's, he pulled this watch off. And he said, you see this watch? He sort of sounded like Lee Carrick, as I recall. <laughs> you see this watch? You sell one of my jingles, and this watch is yours. And Ron says, let me see that watch. He hands him the watch, and, and the, the sales office had brick walls. <laughs> And he throws the watch against the brick wall, and it shatters into a million pieces. And he said, that is the cheapest watch I've ever seen. He did not. <laughs> I have never heard that story. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. And needless to say, That's we did not sell jingles for that, outfit. For that person. Yeah. Holy cow. I'm just saying it was funny. Yeah, it was funny, you know. For everybody except well, the jingle guy. As long as well, the jingle guy didn't lose anything. It was probably a ten dollar watch. We could tell Galena stories all day, but my two favorites that I let you address here, Phil. Number one, the ties. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you do it. You go ahead. As salesmen, there was well, there was two forms of indoctrination at the company. One is how you dress. And dress accordingly. Like the time I wore a leisure suit and he yelled at me for about an hour about wearing a leisure suit. Well, he yelled at you quite a bit. I know he did. But I don't want to make this all about me because you're the guest today, You mean You mean a leisure leisure suit wasn't good enough? Not for him. Oh, okay. Dress or... I had two. I'll wear my dress leisure. There's no such thing as a dress leisure. It's a damn leisure suit. Don't wear it. And and the point is I I did anything I could to aggravate the man anyway. So about a week later, I wore my dress leisure because the dress leisure... Had a tie. Oh, casual leisure is what they had the guts to wear one oh. time. That's no tie. Yeah. Now big in the, today's world, nobody wears ties. No. That's why a lot of the. When I came to this town, Phil, how many men's shops were there? Men's oh, wear. Tons of them. They're all gone. Yeah. Parkside. John Carlson. Now there's men's warehouse, I think, and I think that's about it. Dick Dye's gone. John Carlson's gone. Parkside's gone. Yeah. Uh, Arbogast. Hughes and Hatcher was another one. Bert Arbogast. What's his name? Sheldon had one on... Uh, Jim, Sh- not Jim Sheldon. Uh, yeah, he moved to Texas now. Whatever his name was. He had a partnership on, on nights. It's now going to be a B for Roo in that yeah, spot. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, Sturdeman's. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> and it, it was... Uh, you see, you had to put it in my terms. When you said B for Roo, I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... This is relatable radio. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Uh, but I, I do remember the... Uh, getting back to the ties... He had a tendency, if he didn't like somebody's loud or obnoxious-looking tie, his taste, well, he had good taste. He was a dress, Natalie attired, yeah. very neat dresser. And I started to be that way, too. 
Yeah, well, you, you, you've had to kind of go along with the program where you'd be constantly harassed. But he had a tendency to cut people's... In today's world, he'd have been sued 10 times over. Yeah. But in that world, he got by with it because he was Ron Galena. It's like there are Dave Salisbury stories. But so, so did you have to have a spare tie in yes. your desk? Yes. Are you kidding me? Yes. If not, run home quickly and get one. As, <laughs> I never Which had wasn't him, far for me. I didn't live that far. I never had him cut off one of my ties. But there was another, and I don't want to make this all about Ron, but this was one of the things that all of us will remember that worked there. There was a ritual for the sales department and others to have a certain drink at the Christmas party. Or other parties. Was that the Blue Jesus? Flaming Blue Jesus. There you was. go. Explain the drink and what people had to uh, do. Well, let's see. It was chartreuse. It was grain alcohol. Everclear, yeah. Everclear. And it was in a, uh, wasn't a necessarily a shot glass. It was like a cordial glass. Mm-hmm. And he would light it and it would be a blue flame. And you had to drink <laughs> that straight down. Otherwise, you'd have to keep drinking it. And there were several people that had burned, burnt lips. <laughs> Because they didn't drink it fast. Gary Noll. There, beard, wasn't there it? was a new person. I don't know whether it was a salesperson or who it was. And they decided to do that at the Christmas party at the Pyramid Club. <laughs> the Pyramid Club had a beautiful bar yeah. that had kind of a suede top on it. They proceeded to light that bar on fire. <laughs> that was the last year we had the Christmas party at the Pyramid Club. Yeah. And you know what the pyramid is now? It's dust, right? Yeah, oh, it's, yeah it's not even a parking lot. It's just but, nothing. But in, in all fairness, you brought up a great topic, and that is the WROKZOK Christmas parties. Yes. They were legendary, mm-hmm. and they probably couldn't be done in today's world unless you did what I think John Nolte started to do, is give people rides home in oh. later years. Oh. But by the grace of God, I got home live from those parties. Now, I was not a big, heavy drinker, but when I went to those parties, thank God my wife, Mary, was not a drinker, and she drove every time we went home. Very nice. But I'm, And I never had a problem. There was no accidents or anything. But I think of all the people that left that place, all those parties, not only at the Pyramid Club, but even the radio station itself. Yeah. The wine sucks. Wine sucks. Yeah, yeah on, on Friday, Fridays. On Friday nights. Yeah. That started at 3 in the afternoon. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And, but those, those, those are legendary things. There is not as much camaraderie in the radio business anymore anyway because there's very few employees left. It, well, there's not enough people in the building. I recently went out to WROK with Fred Spear to cut a commercial for 411 Medicare, sure. a, a client that I worked for they once. They still let you do that, huh? <laughs> yeah, radio and TV. We did both, but we do it every year. <laughs> I like the way Phil jabs you. Yeah. They let you do oh, it, no, didn't believe they? Me. Yeah. It's not Phil a job. earns every Barney Fife I've ever given him. <laughs> <laughs> no, the give and take is what makes it. You know, yeah. And you got it. Uh, By the way, well, in case you didn't recognize that, that was a compliment to you, Phil. It, oh, well, it's the point it's is. Hard, it's hard to know anymore. You know, <laughs> and, and the truth is, I learned years ago if you can't have the self deprecating humor, it doesn't work when you come off against people all the time. You've right got to take it, too. You've got to take it. it. Yeah. It's the old thing when you were kids. You, you can't give it out well, if you don't take it. Let's, right. let's talk about events. I mean, let's talk about the station and what it what it did as far as celebrations. From okay. the Vern Nolte era and, and yeah. forward? Well, mainly the Vern Nolte, okay. Nolte era. The 60th anniversary celebration. Oh, beautiful. This would have been 1983. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, Mr. Math Wizard. Yeah, yes, well, yes. <laughs> I know it because you win, I missed You win it. the prize. Yeah. yeah. Um, you get two tickets to Gas and Glow Car Wash. John Nolte, <laughs> Vern's son, 
if there was anything he was good at, it was planning celebrations and parties. Oh, yeah. They decided to have a big blowout celebration for the 60 years. So they got a hold of Rex Parker out at the clock tower. Mm-hmm. But I just saw Rex two weeks ago. I Music just saw him, him two days, three days ago. He looks fantastic. Yes, he yeah. does. Good guy. And, and a great basketball player. Yo, oh, yes. yes. And a yep. nifty dancer. Yeah, West High School. <laughs> yeah. We keep getting off on these. <laughs> I don't. Well, it's I like Dan be, and Doug. It <laughs> should be used to it. It's so hard yeah. for Phil we, to yeah, catch up. We could up. do a morning show, actually. We probably wouldn't. If you could find a station that would long. hire people. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. No. Anyway, um, so they took the entire banquet area at the clock tower, and if you recall, that was quite a large oh, area. Oh, yeah. Turned it into a world food fair, basically, booths all the way around the room with different, with food from every part of the world, hired the Jimmy Dorsey Orchestra, invited practically the whole town that was the most amazing thing i have ever seen the music was great but didn't they have dixieland music too well they may have i, I think they had more than maybe one maybe they band. started out with that and yeah. then they went they yeah. had political dignitaries they had everybody everybody and the original owners of the station before Vern owned it by himself, the, the, the people Todd, from Bloomington, right? The Rust family, Timothy the, Ives, Tim Ives, not yeah. the Todd family, and the, they had the Todds there too. Oh my! Yeah, Bill Todd was there. Uh, I was there. You were there. I mean, this was a great party. We, I've never seen a better produced evening. Something you were, a lot of times you do things in the radio business. Oh, you got to go to that damn thing. Yeah, but you know. By the way, you can say damn on this. This is not regular. Glad to hear that. I just that. want you to know. You can say shit, too, if you want. I mean, you can do anything you want because this is a podcast. I had a hell of a time getting over that when he told me you could, if you slip, don't worry. It goes. It's <laughs> yeah, a podcast. In- incidentally, on that door, on that right-hand door as we go out of the studio, is the invitation for the 60th. Oh, and some, yeah. somehow I got a hold of it because they thought I was going to come back, but I was in Charleston, West Virginia, so I've kept that 60th anniversary. Great. Well, it's something we'll never forget. And yeah. it, 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 people are still people still mention it once in a while. Oh, they sure, really do. Sure. Oh, sure. Trouble is, a lot of people are now deceased that went to that party. That's yeah. well, they the, still mention it. You know, <laughs> you have those dreams too, huh? <laughs> do you guys now? Now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. Do you guys have dreams about being at the radio station, and being at work, and something is? Anxious. I mean, for I, Doug, I do. For Doug I do. and I, I guess I have once in a while. It's yeah. dead air. But I mean, do you have a sales version of that? Like you're late for work or something like that. The one thing I remember is, uh, unfortunately, it it was kind of a stressful thing. Was the sales meetings where we were learning this technique called the tell me sell me technique. Yeah. We had to act out role play. Role play. Mm. And everyone dreaded that. Yeah. And once in a while, that will come a creeping up. <laughs> and, and you had to pass this. I passed it, which was amazing because I was lost when they started that whole thing. So they, my career was mainly on the air, but it was a thing we had to get a passing grade to get your little sheet of paper that they, said you graduated from the whatever was it called i don't remember did, was, they, did they have people come in and teach no, you? well there was by video okay so you had to be teamed up with either dave felker or gene hendrix or somebody like well, that to role yeah play? that would be in the role play yeah and of wow. course 
And of course, I usually try to be easy on people and I was hoping somody would be easy on me, too. The worst one you'd ever get to do that would be like Ron Galena. Oh, oh that would be. He'd oh. be the absolute toughest to do it with. Yeah. But he was good at what he did. But I'll yes. tell you what, you learned something. Yeah, yeah that's you the really point. That's did. the point. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that. but No, uh, that's okay. Yeah. Well, now, I, you know, I'm looking down my notes here, and uh, there's one topic here about guests in the building. Um, welcome or unwelcome guests? <laughs> well, there were some unwelcome ones, too. Uh, I think the one that, well, there are two that I remember in particular, and that was Lily Tomlin. Oh. Now, this, I don't know, I think you were already gone for this. No, I was there because she signed a record, Oh. and I had my kids in there to meet Lily Tomlin, oh. and it was, I have it a was, record with her signing it to Doug and Heather. It was so great because... She we went super. into the break room, and yeah. there was that big round table in there. Yeah. And we just sat down with her, and we just had a great conversation. And she just was so funny in person. So was she promoting a tour? She, was, I forget she, why. Her she, appearance at the Metro Center. Okay, so she yeah. was she was Do waiting it, to was go in with somebody? Taking advantage of all her laughing uh, experience, yeah, et cetera. Was, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the other one that, I, that was absolutely hilarious was Gordon Jump. The big guy from WKRP. Yes, he came in because he was he was the Maytag loneliest repairman. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he came in to promote for best Maytag, and he was in the station. Oh my gosh, he was so funny. Really? What well, did he ever go on the air with somebody? No, I think he did. Okay, sure. okay. That was before. I missed, I missed that one. I don't know what that. I think that may have yeah, been before. I, or after I, you. I had two tours of duty at ROK yeah. from '65. They didn't to learn their lesson the first time, <laughs> and they so hired they me again that. from '80 to '92. <laughs> so that was my two tours of duty. But Phil lasted through both of those. Yeah, then, somehow I made it through uh, through that, and I made it through some after Vern, and they sold the station. There were some. There was one guy in particular who I will not mention his name because of uh, somebody that's still working there, but. Uh, <laughs> that was not a fun time. But let me get back to this. Then the other guest, I usually got there early. I got there before most anybody else got there, and I'm sitting in the and, and you could look out into the hallway from mm-hmm. the sales office. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there, and I looked up, and there's a lion looking at me. A lion. A real lion. Come on. Fortunately, somebody was holding on to the lion. It was for the circus in town, and they were having an interview with the lion trainer. Oh. Now, I don't know who was on at that time. It was in the morning. I don't think it was you. Maybe this was back when Bill Phillips. Could be. I don't know. But I look up, and I I thought, whoa. (laughs) And I'm thinking, uh, you know, I hope somebody's holding on to that guy. Time. I have over a dozen whistles from emceeing the shrine, opening the Shrine Circus. Oh. And I interviewed a lot of those people, but they're not names you'd know. But it was fun to do. We did the Shrine Circus every year. And yeah. it was set up by, remember Bill Fisher, Appliance and TV? Of course, he was Bill a, and John. He was a big mucky muck with the Shrine at the time and set up these interviews for me to do. And then I'd go out and open the, I, Doug McDuff from WROK, the Shrine Circus, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And that and, was your little souvenir? And I got all the whistles for souvenir. I had to bring you one of those whistles. That and would you be put cool. It in your, yeah. yeah, that'd be cool to see. But that that was uh, all part of the career. Uh, no, one that you maybe, I'm trying to think if you were around when I had on my show, uh, he was in, in town for a play and it was Donnie Osmond. 
Donnie came and sat down with me. Probably the coat of many colors, Joseph. Well, that's you're getting ahead of my story. Oh, but sorry. But you're right. No, okay. no. But the point is, we can edit typical this. of Doug McDuff. <laughs> I said, so you're in town for Jason and the amazing color dream coats. <laughs> Jason. And now, get this. He's such a nice guy that he didn't say, uh, no, Doug, it's, it's Joseph. No, he didn't do that. He played the whole bit with me as if it was Jason. And I'm sitting there. Oh, I guess I was right. I did, took a shot. And at the end, we're off the air. I said, it really was Joseph. Yeah, but I didn't want to embarrass you. And it was fun anyway. The Aww. guy was so cool. Yeah. And I had him back two times in my career, once at this station, once at another one. Wow. And it was just fantastic. One of my uh, favorite interviews I ever did, of course, was with Bob Hope by phone and once in person out at the... Remember they used to have the big shows at the Metro Center on the Sunday night? Then yes. Monday would be the Pro-Am? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. All the Pro-Am people used to come in. Yeah. And it was mm -hmm. great to be in radio because you got to talk to all these people. That's I sat right. with Mike Connors of Mannix at the at the Pro-Am itself. And it was, so those days, you remember those things we did? Yeah. Those were all people that, what was really great was that the rest of the staff got to see some of them that were brought into the building. Yeah. One of them at the station you worked for in your later years down on Sandy Hollow Road, I had a guy named Mickey Rooney come in. Yeah. And I saw him at his later years. And he was, the whole interview, every time he'd come out, you turn the mic on, he was, hi, everybody, I'm uh, Mickey Rooney, and I've my career, blah, 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 everything's great, Doug, you're wonderful, blah, blah, blah. Mike would go off, when are you going to get me some damn food here? I'm starving. <laughs> His wife was sitting there, honey, we're going to go out to eat after. Well, can't they provide, and then he'd go back and, hi, everybody, Mickey Rooney. It was just a ball. So why was he in the area? He was here at, uh, in a play that oh. he was, that, that uh, the late, uh, Oh, who was a local actor? Rod McDonald yeah. was his understudy in Sugar Babies. Okay. And he was in town to appear at the Coronado Theater okay. in his later years. Gotcha. Doing his history of his life and his affair with Judy Garland. He'd tell every, he was a tell all kind of guy. Wow. But he had had in, interesting careers. Married to Ava Gardner. A lot of, he was married to a lot of famous people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Wow. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you this. It was Mickey Rooney. Was it a short interview? But a boom. <laughs> I knew he, he still got it, kid. We ought to get a station. Let's buy one. So then, no, let's well, not. I take it back. They're all, well, they're all gone now anyway. The last one. Okay, but, let me. Let me. I, I have another topic here. You want me to keep going? Sure. Uh, well, I have a luncheon coming up, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm going <laughs> to. We. I, I think we want to talk about promotions and events that that happened. The one that was going on, I think, close to when I started there. I don't know whether I have this exactly right, was the Bigger, Better, Easy Rider Trucker Bumper Stickers. Wow. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. This was back when the might, CD thing was big. Might have been the 70s. I was, yeah. gone. I was gone then. And they were giving away, they would have trucks pull up. I think trucks had to be inspected a certain way. They'd go to the, the inspection, inspection station and they'd put these giant bumper stickers on the back of the trucks if they let them. Yeah. So basically what they were were huge versions of the bumper stickers that ROK had at that time. That one I do remember. I also remember the Coca-Cola denim machine. That was back when customized big vans were all the rage. And I remember that those of us in the sales department were asked to drive that around for half a day so it would get out and about. I made a really big mistake. 
uh, because this was back when our OK was still top 40 rock and roll, and it was a kid's station, and it was, well, it was everybody's station. Mm-hmm. I decided I was going to take a shortcut. This was in the afternoon, about 3 o'clock. So I went across Windsor Road right by Harlem's High School. It was still high school then, right when the kids were getting out. Oh, no. Oh, I didn't think I was ever going to get out of there. They, it's the denim machine. It's the denim machine. But that tells you the power of the radio station. Well, at that time, it was. Yeah. A... ROK had a good run as a rock and roll station until, as I remember, Vern Nolte had me in his office and said, the future of AM radio is going to be talk, mm-hmm. talk and news. And the, uh, the guy, that amazing man that he was, a forerunner and everything, told me, we're losing Jerry Collins. Remember Jerry Collins? No, was, I oh, that was before your time. 19, it was 1968, and then Jerry Collins was leaving to go to Lafayette, Indiana, because they offered him a position and a 10% ownership of the station if he'd come down there. Was he a program director? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jerry, and he did a show called Public Opinion. That was ROK's first venture into talk radio back in 1967. Okay. Late 68, he gets this job offer. Vern brings me in the office. I want you to keep your morning show from 6 to 10, but I want you to go home, do research, read up on this, watch some TV, do whatever you want, prepare and come back, and you do public opinion also. I'll give you a little more money, and you come in and do 1230 to 2 public opinion. Are you kidding? So I did my morning show, went home, came back about noon, got on the air at 1230, was on till 2, and Vern said, that is what we're going to be a few years from now, all day. All how, how, hey, were, how were you not mentally exhausted? I was mentally and physically exhausted, but I loved the money. doesn't take much for him to be mentally exhausted. <laughs> well, I was also known to not ex- – I mean, I, I, I can admit this to people now. I think most people that worked with me knew this. I was dedicated to what I did, yeah. but not to hanging around a lot after. Yeah, I didn't want to hang around. I really, was never, I never noticed. I was that. never a radio groupie. Let's I didn't, see, I didn't. I came back for the One wine sucks. after ten. <laughs> Where's Doug? Well, it wasn't Ooh. quite that quick, but it was a few minutes after. But it was pretty damn close. It was, but then yeah. it was, there was a period of time in '68 till '71 where I was doing public opinion, where I did leave at one after ten and did come back at twelve, whatever, twelve ten, twelve fifteen to do that show. But I didn't think you'd remember that part because that goes way back. Yeah. But I sometimes, as I get older, forget what years a lot of this stuff happened. That's why these kind of meetings help a lot. Because yeah. Phil can put into perspective a lot of the dates and, and years. And, you know, with, with us having talked to a lot of radio yeah. people, there, yeah. and you can see this in the maybe the first 10 minutes of any kind of a talk, whether you're sitting down behind a microphone or you're at a reception or whatever. Right. First 10 minutes, you realize that this person has all the emotional stories or the funny stories, but they can't remember any time of when it happened. That's right. Other people will tell you the exact year but have no emotional, funny, something right. happened, something went right, something went wrong. They just remember the year. Now, God knows you need those two people in the same room to counterbalance well, each sure. other. Yeah. yeah. That, that's well, why, we, that's we why certainly I, have a problem here today, then. <laughs> that was the, no, that was the secret of ROK in the old days. We had a lot of people that fit. I get it. They, they fit the job they were doing. I mean, you had personalities like you talk Vern Nolte. You had Dave Salisbury. You had Dave Salisbury. You had you had uh, uh, Ron Galena. You had me. You had Phil. You had Gene Hendricks, the fishing machine. Gene the machine, we used to call him. We yeah. had characters. Lee Carrick. 
Mm-hmm. You go on and on and on. Fred Spear, Spread mm-hmm. Fear. You had all these people that made it all work, and that's gone today, and that's what is bothersome to many. I don't know how many will tell you this on these podcasts, radio and TV, all the people, because a lot of them off the air might tell you something, but I will tell you that it's not what it used to be, and it's not just because I'm old. It's because it's changed dramatically. Yeah, and I also wonder, and maybe Phil knows this too, because of being so close to customers, uh, over the years, over what, 44 years, you know, if you went over into the insurance industry or the manufacturing industry, would those people say the exact same thing? Probably. Similar. I would, I would think I'm so. sure they would. Yeah, I would I'm think sure. they well, would. Well, the fact that many people now work out of their homes is yes. true, not only in insurance and other sales jobs. And some radio people I know do most of the work from their apartments in Chicago. Yeah. Working for big stations. Yeah. Rarely except for maybe once or twice a week, go into the station. It's the physical plant. Yeah. And I got to tell you, when we went in to do uh, Lisa Fielding's uh, Uh Storyteller Studio session, she wrangled up Joe Soto and Jim Mulvaney. Five people sitting around in this production room. And she says, well, now that we're done, let's pack up our stuff and let me show you a room. Well, they own six radio stations. And so you go in one area, and it's now this is a Saturday night. So keep in mind, it's not a normal Monday through Friday. One station would be a beehive of stuff going on, like US 99, and then B96. Nobody's in the room. The computer's running right, it. Right. So you do have those variations even within the same company. Sure. It's right. sort of odd. And that, is, and that is the case if you went over to WROK, you'd have Riley in the morning, but then after that, Nobody. It's satellite radio. Syndicated. And yep. I'm not trying to just point them out. It's the same way yeah. over yep. on Sandy Hollow. When yeah. I went up to do those commercials with Fred for the for my Medicare, I walked in and two people came up to greet us just to make us feel at home. Mm-hmm. And those were Steve Shannon and Riley O'Neill. Yeah. Wow. They were the only two in the building other than an engineer who was brought in just to cut the spot with us because he doesn't work there full time. Yeah. So now, it's a different world. Now. now, I'll tell you what radio station feels the same as it did years ago is WGN. There's a lot of people going on and a lot of things happening, and it, it was so much fun well, to Well, they're watch. trying to be GN like they used to be, but the ratings are not there. No. But, well, but, that's true for almost all news right. talks. Yeah. But BBM is on top of things right. because of the all the news format. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have an interesting time to listen to Chicago radio when I do now. I, I, I listen to some Lisa, then I go to another Lisa. And they're both yeah. Rockford, R-O-K-C-O-K right. alumnus. Right. Yep. And, and Joe Soto is... Lisa Dent and Lisa Fielding. Yeah. Right. And Joe Soto... the same times. But Joe Soto is also doing well, Afternoon. Course. So he's competing with those two. Right. And he's doing... But they're all friends. He's doing Urban. Oh, they hang out yeah. all together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Mulvaney, quick Mulvaney story. I hate to do this on Phil's time, but I got to tell you, Mulvaney. I'm leave now. <laughs> Mulvaney was working. We were all working at WOKY in Milwaukee, right? Okay. This is back in the '90s, early '90s, and I come to town with no place to live, and I don't want. I could have gone to the apartment complex and rented. They would have paid for my rent until I found a house. But Mulvaney says, "Come live with me." He gave me his bed in that apartment he had. And he slept on the couch. Oh, he wouldn't yeah. argue with it. Sounds it's that like kind it. of a guy. Yeah. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. And later on, when he got the job at BBM, uh, he called me and said, hey, I got some commercials. You want to make some extra money? So I went in and did some commercials for a big builder in Chicago. And I went to the BBM studios to record it, thanks to Mulvaney. Yeah. He but still the, is the 
a continuity director or he that's is. what he was. Yeah. yeah. Whatever yeah. he is, he's Pro- still production he's a director. great guy. And I, hope, I, hope, I hope you hear this someday, little Jim. He, he did. We, uh, and that is Jim. And, yeah. and we had such a great time. After we were done, yeah. we went downstairs for dinner at a place called Sweetwater. So all of us had dinner. Yeah. And, of course, the conversation was completely different down there. And they are all so much fun. And, I, boy, I'll tell you. Just, I would love to get over there and, and oh, be with those guys. Again. I'm telling you. Joe Soto can Just get, go to a Cubs game. They'll all be there. I'll tell you. Joe Soto, and uh, he can give shit and he can get yeah, shit. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 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 Sure. Very funny. Well, let me go back to um, and thinking about the power of radio and, and an event. This is when Bill Phillips was still on in the morning mm-hmm. and this was april 1st <laughs> my home at that time was over on guilford road about i don't know five minutes from the radio station so i get up as usual and get in my car and i'm hearing bill talking about the goodyear blimp flying over rockford so i'm thinking really so i looked around i didn't see anything so I pull into the parking lot, and I can see around the back, and I see this van parked there. I hear Bill say, okay, now, they have to, uh, the, the, this splimp, of course, also has engines on it, and now he's going to bank left, and you can hear this noise, and I see somebody in the van pushing on the gas pedal, and I said, okay, he got me. <laughs> And I don't know how many of you remember it, but this is the power of radio. He, he, he literally had people all over town looking up in the sky. I think he said something about it's over Northtown Mall now, and I guess people just stopped and, and looked. And, and then nothing. they went out to the airport because he said they were, he was going, it was going to land out at the airport, and they had over 2,000 cars out there. Oh, no. The police department was not too happy with us, but that's the power of radio. But then he turns around the following year yeah. as, as if people didn't learn their lesson <laughs> and talks about how people can watch their show, because you got to remember, this is before you could watch the show. Channel yeah. One. On Channel One. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And there were people literally, and Ed Jurich. Who was the who, engineer at the time. Who is a scream, who was, had a subtle... Sense of, sense of humor. Yeah. He gets on the air and tells people, "Okay, if you have a dial television, you remember they still had the di- they had yeah. dial and they had push buttons. Yes. If you have a dial television, put it between the two and the U, and then if you have push button, then he gave a whole sequence of numbers. <laughs> Complete bullshit. And we had a guy pull into the parking lot. I was there. There's I more saw, than one. Well, this could, one in particular. Yeah, okay. I witnessed this firsthand, gets out of his car, pulls out a TV tray, puts a little television on the tray, has an extension cord, comes in and says, can I plug this in? I figured if I'm closer to the station, I can get a better picture. <laughs> what we and, proved in that, all those things we did over the years was that there's one born every minute. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, you can st- and April Fool comes around, and people forget it's April 1st. And that gets you and right back to the circus theme. You see how we take it right back exactly, around? Isn't that exactly. funny? <laughs> and there were so many of those... I mean, the Heine Winery was oh, one, that, one of the... That, was, that was my personal favorite of all the Do years. Do you remember the slogan? Something Everybody about, needs a little Heine. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> I don't know if you can get by with that today. I don't no. know. 
I don't know, but I do know that it was hilarious, and people would go to Elmoville. Do you know how we came up with Elmoville, by the way? Do you remember this? No. No. We were all in Vern's office, and somebody pulled up a map, and we got to come up with each. The Heine wine thing is something you bought. It was put together by a production company. But you customized it for your market. So we were all in on the idea thing. Okay, we can come up, we got to come up with a name, but so everybody came up with funny names. No, let's do it. I don't know who was brilliant enough to say, let's just use a map, but they did. Put a map up, and somebody threw a dart against the map, and it landed in a little town, Elmoville. Elmoville. Elmoville, Illinois. There is such a place. <laughs> and people would go to Elmoville to find the damn Heine Winery, which I thought was hilarious. Now, I never did it myself because I knew it wasn't there. Duh. But it was just a fun experience, and... It's radio that you can talk about years later and still have a laugh. Like some of the stuff that they did in Chicago with Larry Lujak. And oh, all, yeah. All those oh, yeah. things with Little Tommy. Theater of the Mind, we used to call it. Yeah. And, and that's what's missing, I think. I think one of the favorite ones I had when Bill Phillips did the Heine Wine thing. And, of course, it was all put out as if it was a commercial for a company. Well, it was something we did and, all day. It wasn't yeah, just one yeah. time in the morning. But I remember Bill, and he did it with a straight face. And then, of course, he died laughing afterwards. Yeah. But he did it with a straight face. And he goes, you know, this is not for everybody. This this wine that we're going to talk about this morning is not for everybody. But I'm telling you, if you stick a straw in your hiney, it's really good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that one. And I was a partner of Bill for a period of time. uh, I can't remember what years. But I was his radio partner. Yeah. It, it, before it was Dan and Doug, there was Bill and Doug. Yeah. And yeah. I followed you guys because I took yeah. Kelly Ryan's place. So I was all part of you goofballs. Oh, it was a great... I'm so glad we were in... And I hate to use this expression, but it truly, in my mind, was the golden age of radio. Yeah. And I'm sure that the late Franklin McCormick could say he was part of the real golden age. And there's people back in the... Uh, Arthur Godfrey would say I was part of the golden age. But I think... Radio today is so different, yeah. and, it, and it's so fragmented, and there's no dominant. When you think of a dominant radio personality in Rockford today, who would you think of? Did you stop 10 people on the street, and they'd all know who you're talking about? In Bob, Rockford? In Rockford, yeah. I can think of two, maybe. Uh, you can think of two, but I Steve bet, Shannon and Steve Summers. That's yes. right. Yes. But, the, but they're the old-timers, too. Yeah. They've been around but a while. They've, they've but paid you know, their dues. You know, but, you know, I was in the same room just four or five days ago on Sunday with John Records Landecker and Tommy Edwards, among others. And when they ended up getting on the panel, and they're throwing out questions like these. These are very generic radio history questions. They will say, Doug, they will say the exact same thing because when WLS was in the battle at WCFL, yeah. and they'll go, those were the days. So they That's yeah, their golden they, era. Yeah. They say exactly. the exact same thing. And I got to know some of the guys from that era. I got to I was at a wedding with Clark Weber one time, and I had known him from something else before. He got fired from a station. I called him and said, You're one of the best. You've got a legacy. You're, you, you, we'll never, none of us will ever forget you. You're, you're going to come back and do big things. And he never forgot that. And he brought it up when I met him at his daughter's wedding. I was there in the, for, the, for the groom's side. Did you cater the wedding? No, 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 no. <laughs> I was there as a guest. Dan and I were both guests yeah. at the were wedding you, were you at a, the Milwaukee Athletic Club. Were you a guest bartender? He was a guest bartender. Such a <laughs> great – that's all part of the great memories we all have of the golden era. Wow. And, and at that time, of course – at ROK, as I remember in the 70s, I was not working there. I was managing a station across town at that time, mm-hmm. sales manager slash announcer. But I remember the big fight then was between ROK and LS. 
Yeah. Because ROK was going really full balls to the wall rock radio. Yeah, of course. I was never part of that ROK history. Hey, Phil, let me add, and this is a side note. Tell me your involvement, especially in the last year, with the Rockford Symphony Orchestra. How did all that come about? They were doing a, a few podcasts, but not that many. And I don't remember who came up with the idea. I don't think it was me, but of doing. Uh, regular podcasts with Steve Larson. They knew my background, and and so we kind of decided, well, yeah, I'd I'd love to host podcasts. Mm -hmm. So that's how it started. And this this started probably three, four years ago. It's apparently had pretty good success. I mean, they seem to have a pretty good crowd listening to it. Now, of course... The emphasis is on interviewing all the candidates for the uh, music director's yeah, job. Yeah, to, re- to replace Steve. And as a fact, uh, Tuesday, I'm going to do one with the next one. Yeah, because you guys take the summer off, so you're ramping yeah. up for the next half of the yeah, applicants. we got four more left. Well, you know what's so nice about that? And I go to the Rockford Symphony quite some time. Uh, I, I'm real good friends with Julie Thomas, yeah. who's the executive director. Right. And I just... It, I thoroughly enjoy it because it's my time to completely unplug and relax and everything else stays outside the Coronado Theater. Well, I think because what you are doing with interviewing those applicants, and it's a year process because there's nine applicants and they take the summer off, so do the math. If they need to go back and review that person, exactly, they've got the video, they've got the yeah. interviews, they've got the photographs because, my God, you know, when you're at number nine... And you're trying to evaluate, come on, that was damn near a year ago. That's tough to do. And I have people ask me, uh, well, who did you think was the best? Well, we haven't been going in person, mm-hmm. but we did the, the virtual. You know, mm-hmm. we've been watching it on online. Mm-hmm. But I think they're asking me because I've been sitting across the table from them. I can't answer that question because I've been impressed with all of them. And, but you're right. Okay, see, I remember the first guy pretty darn well. Yeah. But the person that's attending the symphony, are they going to remember him as well? That's right. And that's now why you'll notice if you go to their website, you can listen to those podcasts. Nice. You know, no charge or anything. Well, and I also know as as a person that's in the uh, audience that they give you a, uh, a program, for lack of a better term, that is predominantly open. So they want you to take notes for each of these people that you see so you personally can go, I like this, I didn't like this, I like this. And, you know, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was also the first guy. I was not only impressed with him because he got so into the conducting. Yaniv Attar. Yaniv Attar, that's him, yep. And he he was personable. And when he came out and he talked to people, that's half your battle. It right. really is. I mean, you guys have gone to concerts before. Alan Jackson comes to mind, country star. He comes out, he plays the song, they applause. He turns around, he gets a drink of water. He comes back, he plays another song, and it goes on all night that night. He doesn't say anything, nothing like, hey, Rockford. No, nothing. And I just, I don't like those kind of concerts. Other people will sit down and chat with you, and it's 10,000 people in the group. So he had that personality that he could reach out for you, and he didn't know anybody in the room. 
Well, the last one I saw was Tennessee Ernie, so I go back a long way. But I wanted to wrap things up on the word retirement does not fit you or me. We're we're not a regular nine-to-five job anymore, but we are still well, doing things. And what I remember about you, Phil, how active you were with the Kiwanis. You, yes. Are you, are you still a Kiwanian now? Oh, yeah. I figured you would be. And the great things of the Pancake Day and other things that we did in the past. Uh, what... The, what are the things you're enjoying most about your so-called retirement? Well, first of all, I feel like I'm working full-time. Kiwanis is still very enjoyable. It's the Kiwanis Club of Rockford that I am in, which is the one that used to do Pancake Day. Mm-hmm. The big fundraiser for us now is Budding Artists, and um, I mention it, so I'll explain it briefly. It's uh, area high schools art departments will name three students to participate in budding artists. They will create original artworks. We hold a gala event. We auction off those artworks. The student gets half of what it's auctioned off for, and this is usually their first income from their paintings. And then the club gets the other half. The club is very busy. And then, of course, I have the podcast with the Rockford Symphony, which isn't every week. Gets you out of the house. Yeah, yeah, Shirley is appreciated <laughs> yeah. of that. And, but then about two years ago, uh, somebody called me and caught me in an extremely weak moment. <laughs> somebody from my church. Uh-oh. Would you be willing to be moderator? I don't know if either one of you know what that means, but basically that's the CEO of the church. No. And I didn't realize it at the time. And so you go through a a three-step process. First, you are second vice moderator, which basically you hang around and try to learn what they're doing. And and then you're vice moderator, and you hang around some more, and maybe you do a little bit more. And now I am the man. And so when I said that I'm not sure I am fully retired or that I am working full-time, that's what I mean. But I'm enjoying it, and I'm very busy. Well, it's been a pleasure. It's been a real thrill to meet Phil Davidson. Uh, we're wrapping things off. up. Notice that he's cutting me off. Well, you're the one who said you had a meeting. I'm just being... <laughs> anyway, uh, Phil Davidson, always a pleasure. Barney Fife, uh, Phil Davidson. <laughs> okay, and, a, and Tim Larson. And we're at the Storyteller Studio. And I hope you enjoyed the broadcast or the podcast. And... Uh, just fun being with you guys. Yeah. Fun it being with you, nice. Doug. Take care. Yeah. Thank Bye. you both. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Storytellers Studio in celebration of WROK Radio's 100th year in broadcasting.